Good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. Like Pablo mentioned, we're starting a brand new series called uh, Rethink Christmas. My name's Alex. I'm the, the pastor here, and it is December 1st. And so like you've just sung, Christmas songs are all ready, and we've got some decor out. Uh, but the point of this series is actually to, to look at key things that we can do to make the most of this season and not just get caught in the current of maybe expectations that don't get met or stress or fear, all the things that can tend to actually overwhelm us in the middle of all the fun things that we get to do. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at three things that we can do to really help our perspective and like the title, that, that rethinking, like to make the most, to think differently, to see differently and to approach uh, this season differently. And uh, for me, as we start the Christmas series, there's always so much going on in life. Uh, there's a lot going on here at church. And I want to just make sure you knew about our special service that we're having on December 22nd. And you'll see the slide here. Uh, it's called Simply Christmas. It's our family Christmas service. And uh, we've never done one at Ridgeview. And what we're going to be doing on the 22nd is we're going to be having uh, all the kids and adults in here together to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're going to have refreshments, singing, a uh, small message to share about the hope found in Christ. And so I want to just let you guys know so you can save the date for that. And also to encourage you to invite people to attend. Uh, many times this time of year, people are looking uh, to go to church. A lot of people that don't attend church, they may have never attended a service, but there's something about this time of year where people are interested. There's something about this season where I believe God does this work. He, he works on people's hearts. There's a softening that can take place. And so there's a flyer in your program. I encourage you to think through and pray through people you can invite. And then also, I just want to invite you so you guys can all be here. And so rethink Christmas the next three weeks and then family Christmas on uh, the 22nd. How many of you guys had a great Thanksgiving? Show of hands like it was good. Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving is usually the time where me where it's like, you know, that's what helps usher in the Christmas season, right? How many of you are like, you cannot put Christmas decorations up until after Thanksgiving? Any of you? Okay, I put my tree up like three weeks ago, and I put it up, and I got it set up. I had all the decorations out, and I set it up. The kids, we put the ornaments, and as it was there in our living room, I thought, like, it's too early. <laughs> but I wasn't about, you've tried to put one of those trees back in a box. We have an artificial tree. You can't do it. You need bungee. You need duct tape. And I was like, I'm not, so... Our tree has been out, but we just now this past week got all the other decorations. And so now it feels like Christmas. Now, for some of you, your Thanksgiving may have looked like this, kind of this serene scene. Now, my Thanksgiving has never quite looked like this, um, never like this picturesque. But we, we gather around the table. We have food. It's a celebration of all the things that we've been given. It's a time to remember. And really, uh, it is a time to gather as a family to, to give thanks. And so I, I hope that you're able to do that. What's really interesting, as soon as Thanksgiving over, Thanksgiving is over, we have the next day, what is that called? Black Friday. And this is a scene that replaces Thanksgiving. Now here, this is a literal, I think this is from a couple years ago where people are fighting over TVs. And it's an interesting picture because I think it represents a lot of this season. You go from this Thanksgiving, thankful for we are, all we've got to this hustle and bustle of Christmas, like all that we have to do, consumption, all the planning, the prep. And I think that picture can sometimes represent what's going on in our heart. There's a sense of which people can get in our way. They can block what we need to happen. 
and a lot of chaos can ensue because of that. And so in this series, we're hoping that let's take a, a, a step back and ask the question, what if we were to get out of Christmas what God wants us to? What if we were to think about the things that he wants us to think about and do the things that he wants us to do? How would that look in our lives? What would that look like in our hearts and minds? What would that change in our schedule and, and the things that we do? And certainly for me, I love many aspects of Christmas. There's also a lot of things that I can just get caught in the undertow of, just the busyness and all the things that I have on my mind. I put a Christmas, mini Christmas tree uh, in my yard, like mini Christmas trees that they light up and I had it all set up and I went to light the last tree and it looked like this. There's a, a picture. Have you ever had that happen? Like this is the, the worst thing. Okay, it's not the worst thing. It's not even close to the worst thing. But at Christmas time, when you're doing lights, this is one of the most frustrating things. And I had a whole tree, and the whole thing wouldn't light. On Wednesday, I took out every single bulb. I replaced the fuse. I checked everything, had my kids check. I've got Christmas tree flakes everywhere. And it was that moment where you go to plug it in like Clark Griswold, you know, any of you guys, you know. And I just, I felt like this, ah, and it, and then my son, doesn't work, Dad. And it was useless. And, and for me, like, that represents a feeling that we have at Christmas a lot, where we have, like, what we hope to happen, but it's like you're plugging in lights that don't work, and you're just waiting for the lights to come on. And life actually feels a lot like that. There's a place that we hope we are, we are that there's plans that we have. There's a picture of our life. We want it to be like that perfect Christmas card, but instead, it's like, eh, it's blurry kind of messed up. It's not what we had hoped. But as you dig into the scripture, you find that people have been facing expectation and hope for their world to change for thousands of years. As you dig into the Bible, you see character after character and person after person in history of people that longed for hope to come, longed for their circumstances to change. And God's people, the Israelites, dealt with so many ups and downs from their own choices, so many circumstances, so many things and problems that they experienced that as I look back in the Bible, I can relate to many things that people faced, a frustration, a disappointment. And at Christmas time, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, sometimes those very things become the focal point. And Christmas is like this magnifier. When things are good, they, it seems like they get better. And when things are bad, they, they seem to get worse. So how can we magnify and focus on the right things? And people for centuries have longed to experience this, and people have prophesied about this hope and this deliverer that would come in the person of Jesus, this Messiah that people had longed for. And so I just want to stop briefly and, and take a look back at, at history. And here's the deal with this time of year. Christmas is an opportunity to focus on what really matters. There's so many things we can focus on, but in the middle of it, if we rethink Christmas, there's an opportunity to focus on what really matters. And that is God sending his son to be with us, to dwell, to come, so we may know him personally. When Jesus was born, peace came into the world. There was deliverance. Purpose was given. This part, to be a part of this powerful kingdom, an invitation was, was given to all people. And today we're going to look at the encounters of the Christmas story and the people that interacted with Jesus early on. 
and use their example for how we can do the same in, in our own life. But I really briefly just want to look back at the things of this chosen one of Christ that was prophesied about before he came. In, in 1980 B.C., not 1980 like that now, but B.C., way back when uh, he spoke, God spoke to Abraham. He's the father of the Jewish race and promised that God would bless the world through one of his descendants. Israel is referred to as the chosen people, and God chose them so that the rest of the world would be reached through them. In 1480 B.C., the Lord spoke to Moses and promised to raise a prophet that would share God's commands. These are the ways to go. This is what pleases God. Around 1000 B.C., David, the greatest king in Israel's history, was promised by God that one of his offspring would reign in this eternal kingdom, not just this physical kingdom, but this eternal kingdom. And then a little over 2,000 years ago, the promise was fulfilled. But before that, in 650 B.C., Isaiah stated the prophecy in Isaiah 9-7. And as we read Isaiah 9-7, we find this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David. Actually, let's go back to 6. There it is. For, us, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, on the the top there, you can see the heading. We can celebrate the birth of the Savior King we can know personally. So when this was prophesied, this was 650 years before Jesus came. And after this prophecy, there was this period of silence where the people longed for this chosen one to come. They longed for this deliverer to come. The expectation, the hope that change would be experienced was with the people, but there was silence. And then a few hundred years after that, Jesus was born. And this promise of this child that would be given, he'd be this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, prince of peace. Now verse seven says this, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice And with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, like was prophesied to David that this kingdom would be eternal, not this physical man-made government, but the kingdom of God would be the government and the kingdom that he would establish, something that no man could change or destroy or lead in the wrong direction. So all that it promised, and the reason I want to bring bring this up is is oftentimes we, we look at history And it's hard even to look back at the birth of Christ and sometimes to relate to that. But to think that this had happened thousands of years before where people were saying, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And then it did. And history was changed forever. And that's the reason that we can rethink Christmas because as soon as God sent his son and he entered earth and time and the present, everything changed. And therefore, we can change because of that. And so Christmas is not only an opportunity to focus on what really matters, but Christmas is also an opportunity to focus on who really matters, and that is Jesus. I'm gonna share a few stories of the, the Christmas story like I mentioned, but each one of these things represent what God did. And he took initiative, he drew close, and he became so we could know him and so that there could be a relationship. And so in each of these stories, there's this God who took initiative to send his son so that we could know him. 
He could dwell with us. We could learn, we could grow, and ultimately we could be, be saved. Now, how many of you like have nativity scenes at your, at your house? Anybody do the nativity scene? This is one of my favorite one. Uh, this is uh, willow tree, is that correct? I believe willow tree. Um, we have one at home, and like our, um, our, I think it's our donkey. I don't see a donkey here, but the ears are, they're cut off. I just wanted to share that just to be real, because even that, I couldn't even use my own picture. The ears are cut off of our animal. Who knows? Maybe that represented what was really going on. I don't know. But in this nativity scene, uh, you see that the, the three wise men, we're going to talk about them. You see Mary right here. We're going to talk about her. And then you see uh, the shepherds. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this, this idea of, of worshiping fully. So to rethink Christmas begins with this worship fully. And worship comes from this Anglo-Saxon, like, worth-ship. Like, when you worship something, as we did this morning, you, you give praise. But really, the worship in a service, the singing, is designed to give attention. It's to kind of stop and slow down. Have you ever come on a Sunday morning or in any church that you've been on, and you start singing, and you're just, like, not feeling it at all? You can be honest. You're not going to get in trouble. That's how I feel sometimes. I just come like, you know, you feel like that? It's kind of like, oh, dude, I don't really want to sing. I actually want to stand. I kind of want to sit. In fact, I want to be at home. You ever felt like that? Right? That's, let's get real talk, okay? That's, that's what life is. But there's this process of singing which kind of forces us, if we're, we're thinking intentionally to, to Maybe I don't need to sing, but I do need to think about these words. As I think about these words, maybe they need to actually help my, my mind get in a certain direction. And so that, that idea of worship is to give worth to something where you slow down, you stop, you think, how is this true? As I sing these songs, how can I proclaim what is actually going on? And so we're going to focus on how to, to worship fully this season, and we're going to look at three ways to do that. It's by being fully available fully present, and fully invested. And so I want to look at Mary uh, in Luke 1 as the, the, the full kind of example of that. So fully available, fully present, and fully invested. Let's look at being fully available. This is a story of Mary and Jesus. Uh, the birth of Jesus was foretold to Mary by the angel Gabriel. Um, and if you know the story, you could imagine there was a great surprise. She was a virgin, and she was told, you're going to give birth to this son. And in her mind, thinking, well, how is that going to happen? And the angel assured her of God's plan. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be this immaculate miracle that God is going to do, and you get to be a part of it. Now, oftentimes when we read the story, uh, you, you just, yeah, I know that. I, I've heard that. But if you could imagine a young Mary with her life ahead of her, her plans before her, the way that she wanted her life to go on and her picture that she had, at that moment when the angel Gabriel spoke to her, everything that she had thought about her life was going to change. It was not going to be what she had planned. It was not going to be what she had thought. Everything was going to be different. Notice her response in Luke 1.37. For nothing will be impossible with God. So this is just crazy. A young Mary, earth and life had just been completely blown out of anything she'd ever thought. And notice her response. 
That's not impossible. It seems impossible, but it's not. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those two verses, I think we get one of the greatest responses to God's interaction with humans. God interacts, tells us of his plan, tells of how he wants to lead us forward. In this case, Mary giving birth to the savior of the world. And her response was, nothing's impossible. Let your will be done. I trust your word. I trust your your plan. That's crazy. I'm thinking if I'm Mary, I'm running away. Think of all the different reactions she could have had. She could have asked 100 more questions. Like how many of you would have liked to clarify? Like ladies, like put yourself in the, how many of you like, so can you explain this a little bit? Like what, how is this going to work? You know, I would have wanted to ask tons of questions. How many of you wanted to run away? Just fled, like can't see me. If you, if you can't see me, it's not gonna happen. Been paralyzed by fear. That seems like a viable option. But instead, she, she became fully available to God. Let it be your, your will. That's part of, of worshiping fully. She trusted God's word. She trusted his plan. Uh, later in the narrative, she visits her relative Elizabeth, and she breaks into praise. This is what she says. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior For he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. This section of Luke 1 is called the Magnificat. It's from the Latin word that magnificent or to magnify based on her response there. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And there's something to what Mary does here, which I think we could all learn from. She magnifies God's will and she minimizes herself. Great and mighty is he. Nothing's impossible. I trust his word. May it be according to what's been said. So there's this like deep trust that God knows best. And the fully available person recognizes like for me to worship fully and to be fully available to God, I can't magnify my own expectations. I can't magnify my own plans. I can't magnify my own goals. I actually have to magnify God himself. And as I magnify God, that's a big part of rethinking Christmas and a big part of rethinking life. What does God want for me? What's his plan? And for her, it was this praise to magnify the opportunity to be a part of God's work. She was fully available to be used. I'm sure she had questions. Who wouldn't? I'm sure she was paralyzed with the unknown, like we all would have been. But in the middle of it, she wanted to be available to be a part of what God wanted. We're going to talk a little bit later of what that means for us. So fully available, Mary and Jesus. The second is being fully present. And this is the story of the shepherds. And this is another part of the Christmas story. Any of you were ever a shepherd in a Christmas play? Come on, guys, that was kind of disappointing. Like for me, I, I was a shepherd and it was like a little towel. Like we just got a towel from home and I tied it around my head. With it. That's like the best costume. A shepherd, you can be without anything. Put a sheet on, put a towel, tie it with a rope, and you're a shepherd. Come on, guys, like let's, 
We're still like turkey, you know, comatose over here. We're going to re- reenact this next week. You're all going to be characters, okay? And so another personal character is with these, these shepherds, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them as well. And I've heard this story so many times, but if you could picture just these shepherds, they're ordinary people out in the fields doing their job like they've done every day before. And it's hard work. You're out there. You're in the wilderness. There's all sorts of things that can happen, bad weather. And they're there to watch the sheep, protect the sheep, and just be aware of what's happening. They knew the skies. They gazed at them every night. They tended to their flocks. But on this night, it was anything but ordinary. And we see this in Luke chapter 2, the following chapter after Mary. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Okay, let's just stop there. The shepherds have done the same thing again. They knew, they knew the stars. They knew the atmosphere. They knew the weather. They knew everything. And all of a sudden, this light, that the glory of the Lord, so just this light that they had never seen before, just illuminates. And the angel's like, don't be afraid. If I'm a shepherd, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I'm, I'm out of here again. I just want to flee. I want to just bail out. But again, you see God, when he interacted in this personal way, he entered through Jesus, and things became real. And so the angel says, you know, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now notice again the connection. This news is for all the people. What was prophesied to David is is happening right now in your midst. People knew. They knew of what had been told, what had been prophesied. And the angels are saying, like, it's it's happening. The things that you've waited for, the things that your parents and their parents and their parents and their parents have told you, it's happening right now. Don't be afraid. It's this good news of great joy. But I like the account because notice what what was their initial reaction. They were filled with what? Fear. They were filled with fear. But notice they didn't allow the fear to paralyze them. And they were a part of the most extraordinary event ever. And I believe that's how God tries to get our attention today. There's things that happen in our life. There's circumstances. There's people that he puts. And it gets our attention. And in that moment where he gets our attention, we have this choice. Do I, do I run in fear Do I be immobilized by the unknown or do I be present for God to speak, to lead, to show me his plan? And the shepherds responded like this. And then you see later in 15, this is their their response. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So God got their attention and they were fully present. And by being fully present, they reacted. They moved. And notice how they traveled. They went with what? Haste. This this excitement. They got to be a part of history changing. They get to be a part of this announcement of what the people had longed for, this hope, this Emmanuel, this Savior who was come in Jesus. And they went with haste. I love that picture. They, they, they left. 
And they traveled a distance to be a part of what God was doing. I just read this as like, let, let's go, let's do this. We don't have any time to waste this, this excitement. And fully present people, they get to be a part and they're at the front row seat of what God is doing. If you're not present, you don't get to be a part of it. It's the same today. God gets our attention and how we respond is linked to what we get to participate in God's work. And so that's the shepherds. I want to talk about being fully invested. That's the magi or the, the wise men. Go to that next slide there. Oh, is there one more? Sorry, I didn't read that last part. Um, this is kind of after 16. They had seen the baby, and they go to 17. Thanks, guys. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And so they saw with their, their own eyes Jesus lying in the manger, and then they went out and told everyone about it. That's a great picture as well. They experienced something they'd never experienced before, and they couldn't help but tell everyone of what they'd seen. So let's shift gears to the Magi. This is what it means to worship fully by being fully invested. Uh, The Magi, the wise men, they're a key part of the Christmas story. Uh, They were scholars, uh, intellectuals, modern-day astronomers, or cosmologists. I almost said cosmetology. You guys read that magazine they read? No. Um, I don't know where that came from. But uh, they're not that, okay? They're cosmologists, okay? Um, But these wise men... Notice the, the different people that God used. He, he uses this, this young teenager in, in Mary. These ordinary blue-collar shepherds and then the intellectual scholars of the day. These are all the people that God uses. And it's the same. No matter who you are, what you've been a part of, God can use you. And this is part of what we can learn from, from this Christmas story. And so because of their studies, they've been studying the heavens and they knew what the scriptures had said about the Messiah coming and so part of their role was they were trying to see when, when this thing's all that had been prophesied. They knew all the things that had been said. And so their role was to study so they could be ready, so they could tell the people. And they'd studied the heavens, the sky specifically, and they knew that this star would come because of what had been prophesied. So they were studying all these things, looking, is this a star? Is a things changing? And then as Jesus was born, this star had appeared that had never been there before. And it got their attention. And so they decided this thing that we've never seen is now in the sky. And we know that this star had been prophesied about, so now we have to follow this because this is what has been said. So they trusted, again, intellectually you know, competent as they were, they knew that there was something that, that God was going to do. And they saw it, and they acted. And in their, their travels, they, they crossed path with the ruthless King Herod in Jerusalem, and he had a plan to kill. Because if, This Jesus was this Messiah, the savior of the people. It was a threat to his own rule and his own power. And so he wanted these wise men to be a part of telling him the news so he could be, so Jesus could be taken out. But in Matthew 2, notice what what happened. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I want to stop there. Have you noticed each pattern with Mary, with the shepherds, and now with the wise men? A big part of rethinking Christmas is stopping and recognizing the joy that comes from the event that we celebrate. Not just from the event itself, but the joy that comes from Jesus being here. It was this thing that just 
changed their life and their outlook. They couldn't stop but to, to, to worship, to praise, like this great joy. Like, I don't know where you've experienced great joy, but oftentimes it happens just like in this story, this, this birth of, of a family member. Maybe it's a, a grandson or your own kid or your grandchild or, you know, this, this new birth, new life. Nothing kind of brings us joy like that, right? If you're new parents, maybe it's joy and a little bit of a nervousness as well, but there's a sense of like, wow, everything has changed. And this is how people encountered Jesus. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So notice what happened. These men had been studying and studying, and the star that they had been looking for appeared. And again, just like the shepherds, they pursued it. They went because they knew that this was the greatest thing that they could be a part of if it was true. So they had to see it for themselves. And they were so excited to see it. They fell down, they worshiped, then they opened their their treasures. Now notice this other part that's going on. This just shows how God works as well. And being warned in a dream not to return. The very news that they could not know was Herod's intentions and his plans. But in a dream, they were told this was going to happen, and so they, they didn't go back that way. They defied the rule of the most powerful person in their time because they knew that if this Savior and Messiah was killed, then everything that had been prophesied at that moment wouldn't be true. Little did they know at that time what would happen a few decades later as Jesus' life was taken. But at the present moment, they stopped to pause to worship fully this Messiah in the manger. And so Mary and the shepherds and the Magi, I believe, give us three things that we can do to worship fully. And so I want to just kind of end on this, just some practical things that that you can do. So this Christmas, I want to ask this question. How can I be? The first thing is is fully available. And so just like with with Mary, um, God told her to do something that she didn't know. She didn't plan for. She didn't see coming. And there may be something in your life that God wants you to do that you've been wondering about. There's maybe this, this thing you need to step out to do something to share about the difference Jesus has made, to to serve somebody, to love in a practical way somebody that God's placed in your life, to take a risk, to obey, to do something that you know you've needed to do for a long time and you've never done it. I don't know what it is for you, but for Mary, she, she was just this crossroads of all the life before her, and then God and his plans got a hold of her, and it changed her life. And she was fully available to God's purposes. Another thing that I think Mary did that I think we can learn from is in that moment, she chose to magnify God and not magnify disappointment or magnify her own plans or magnify the questions or magnify the unknown. And so for you, maybe being fully available is not just to step out and do something, but maybe it's to choose to magnify the right things in your life. I know for me, I can get so caught on the things that I don't know or things that I wish I knew that I focus on that and I don't focus on what I do know, my next step, the thing I need to do to 
extend myself for others, or to do to, to please God. And so there's this idea of being fully available means, God, help me to magnify the right things. Not just to step out in faith and to take a risk, but to think about the right things. Not just to think about the fear or the unknown, but to think about what can I do to make the most of each opportunity he's, he's given me. The next, uh, just I can rethink Christmas by being fully present. Uh, do a Christmas Bible reading. Now, for, for me, I, I'm going to be really honest. Over the years, there's been so many different, you know, Advent readings, and you should read this, and today's like the beginning of that process, December 1st. And if I like miss a day, I'm like, ah, Christmas is over. You know, Scrooge over here. Like I just, you get caught up in like the plan that you, again, you miss the point. And so this isn't about like, you can't miss. Like anytime you do a Bible reading, you, you may miss a day. But don't miss a day and just think, well, I can't do it anymore. But there's a 10-day plan that I think would be an encouragement to you. It's the next screen here. It's on the Bible app. And if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, um, I encourage you to, to download that. It's a really helpful way to read the Bible. How many of you look at your phone? Good job, everyone. Yeah, we all look at our phone, right? We all look at our phone, and sometimes it'd be really good to look at your phone and it be the scriptures. Because many times you're, we're looking at our phone and we just waste time. And if you uh, write Bible plan on your connection card, um, I will send you a link to this. I'll send you a link tomorrow. And I think it'd be fun to do this together. When I say do it together, like I'm not gonna text you and be like, have you done it yet? But if I know you're reading and I'm reading, that, that like encourages me. And what's great about this plan is it's Pablo. He's a, a singer-songwriter. He's a good thinker. And he actually has these, this 10-day devotion, but then on each day there are songs. Christmas songs. And the, the Bible kind of, you know, gives the context for, for where these songs have, have come from. And so you can listen to these songs. You can read the scriptures of the, the Christmas story. And that's just part of that, being fully present. Oftentimes, being fully present means we have to stop with all the things that are going on and the distractions that we have. And so a practical next step is, is do this Bible reading or, or find one for you. Maybe there's one that you like to do every year and do that. But commit to being fully present, to, to focus on Jesus' birth in a real way and get into the scriptures and pray and thank God and ask him to fill you with this great joy, just like the characters that we've talked about today, Mary and the shepherds and the wise men. Another just practical thing of being fully present is, oh, there's a quote here I wanna show you. Sorry, I'm a little all over the place today, but um, this is by Paul Tripp. I do this daily devotional called New Morning Mercies. And he says, you must never let your enthusiasm for the gift replace your worship of and service for the giver. Oftentimes, especially at Christmas, we, it, gifts are, are actually really good. That actually shows love and kindness and it represents the wise men, this gift giving. But oftentimes we can focus on the gifts but forget like, oh, this should give me pause to worship God and, and, and praise him. And so one of the ways that I do this, and this might be a practical step for you, is pick one day a week to be fully present where you go on a walk 
and you leave your phone. Isn't that terrible? That'd be awful. It's like, what? How would you even breathe? Right? But like, what would that mean to walk out and just be in nature and not look at your phone? For me, it's like, how would I get back to my house? I have to use my map. Right? I'm going to, where's the star? I'll be looking for it. But just go out on a walk and just try it for 15 minutes. Just walk and just. Pray and thank God. Or just say, God, I've, I've got all this going on in my life. Help me to, to focus on you in the middle of this. That's that fully present. You have to you know, get out of all the things that you have going on. But the great thing with God is it doesn't mean you have to ignore everything you're doing to focus on him, but you have to focus on him first, and then he gives you the help. Oftentimes we just, we don't focus on him, we don't focus on him, we don't focus on him, and we're desperate. God, help me. And he will, but oftentimes we can save so much stress and problems by focusing on him first. And then he gives us the help we need. And so go, go on a walk. Another practical thing of being fully present, just like the shepherds. All of us face fear. All of us. And this time of year is no different. In fact, like I've mentioned, sometimes it magnifies. What you need to do when fear comes is you don't spend all the time like, that's fear. Yeah, that's a great fear. And you just focus on the fear. Instead, recognize the fear and just give it to God. Say, God, I am really afraid of this. I'm fearful of what's going to happen. Will you help me right now to trust you? And that's what you pray. God, help me right now. And when that fear comes, fear is crippling and it paralyzes. But just like the shepherds, they recognize it, but then they responded. For us, sometimes fear is in our head and it's just planting seeds of poison. And we let the poison just settle and it goes into the rest of our body and we are just stuck. So when that fear comes, you just, you confess it to God. Fear is the opposite of faith. So in faith, God, help me. And so you may want to do that. And then last, being fully invested. If you've never become a Christian, when you become a Christian, you actually make a decision in time where you decide to surrender your life to him. You can't be born a Christian. You, you actually become born again. You decide to follow him and you, you give your life to him and becoming a Christian is this idea of I surrender. He calls the shots. Just like with Mary, it's like she committed, it's like whatever his plan is for me, that's that picture. And if you've never done that, you can become a Christian this week. You become, become a Christian today. You just have to decide to stop and say, God, I want to do life your way. And if you're not sure if you've ever done that before, become a Christian, and you're not sure you've ever just like really surrendered your life to him, if you mark on your connection card, there's a box that says, send me info or contact me about following Jesus. If you mark that, I will follow up with you. One of the most important things you can do is nail that down, like I want to follow Jesus. And so if you've never done that, I, I encourage you to do that, to go all in, surrender your life. So as I wrap up, I'll go ahead and pull out your connection card and I just want to give you a chance to respond. Uh, Pablo had you, you know, fill that out. If you're not finished filling that out, go ahead and do that. We're going to receive our offering. I'm going to invite the band back up. They're going to lead us in a song. And as the offering comes by, you can drop that connection card. But the next steps today are based on what I've said, and you can choose one of the options. There are three things. Be fully available by, be fully present by, and then be fully invested by. So 
What are some things that you can do? It could be the Bible plan. It could be taking the walk, confessing fear, uh, whatever just kind of you sense you need to do. And write that on your connection card. And this week, I'll, I'll pray for you. So speaking of prayer, let me, let me pray and ask God to help us as we begin to rethink Christmas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the greatest gift that's ever been given. And that's found in your son, Jesus. God, thank you for your scriptures that told us it would happen. And thank you for your faithfulness that you made it happen. And thank you for Jesus who obeyed you and was a part of your kingdom work. And he saved us. Thank you, God, for for Mary and the shepherds and the wise men, which give us examples of what to do when you interact, when you come and you personally speak to us. God, I pray that you will fill us with the same great joy this Christmas, that we can really experience what it means to worship fully by just being fully available, fully present, and fully invested. God, I pray that you will really fill us with just this joy that we can share with others. So we thank you for your presence here. Guide us as we leave this place to be the people that you want us to be and to be a part of the kingdom that you've built. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.